Hello everyone and welcome back to the Football Trigger Podcast. My name is Thomas Durning and today I'm joined by my co-host Pierce McLaughlin. Hello Pierce. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing well. On the podcast we also have Liam Doherty joining us. Hello Liam. Hello, how are you doing? So on today's podcast we will be discussing Scotland's wins against Norway and Georgia. Reacting to Brendan Rodgers being appointed Celtic manager, and at the end of the podcast, Pierce will be giving a rundown of all the latest Asian football news. So coming up next, we'll be reacting to Scotland's win against Norway. So on Saturday, the 17th of June, Scotland defeated Norway 2-1. Scotland were facing defeat for the first time in this campaign. However, in the 87th minute, Lyndon Dykes managed to level the tie, and then in the 89th minute, Kenny McLean struck to give Scotland all the three points. So starting off with you, Pierce, what is your reaction to Scotland's late win in Norway? Tribulation. Um, it's not many times you get like an equalizer <laughs> and then instantly straight from the result and kickoff, win the ball back and score an, an absolute, an, an absolute remarkable comeback from a side that had. Ellen Haaland and Martin Odegaard and the they took off Ellen Haaland thinking the job was done. Um but Scotland just persevered, played the football, they knew chances would come towards the end. And so many football um that was played away in Oslo and as well the conditions as well it was really um excruciating heat for a lot of the Scottish players and as you know, Scots abroad, we we don't cope with, with warm weather. We struggle, we get sunburnt, but every one of the players, even the substitutes that came on, all made an impact and um, just played to the final whistle. And like, that, the, the, the togetherness within the squad and the quality in, in the football is just unbelievable. And it's a fabulous result away from home. And it was a terrific result to get three points away in Norway. And I, I doubt many people would have predicted that before the, the game started. Be yourself, Liam. I was seeing a totally different Scotland team to what we're used to. Um, we've obviously seen them beat Spain recently as well, but for me, this game is the the biggest. I know that might sound a, a little silly because we've just beat beat Spain, but um, it's the sign of a good team when you're down so late and you don't just score an equaliser; you score a, a winner as well. So. Although the Spain result and the other results over the last year have been really good, I think this this game was the, the mark of a good team and it's just the one that shows us that the Scotland team are different to what we've seen in the past. Um, and like Pierce was saying about the football, it's not just that we've scored a couple of goals right at the end of the game and they've been scrappy, which we'd, even, we'd take that anyway, but the fact the two goals were of quality, um, both good finishes as well, so yeah, some result. Yeah, um... I've got to be honest, it was a total snatch and grab. Um, you know, Scotland came to Norway and, you know, they kind of had a game plan, you know, they'll sit in and try and hit Norway in the, in the counter-attack. And for 85 minutes of that match, I thought Norway were looking pretty comfortable. Um, you know, Norway, they got their goal. And I think what Norway's problem was, was that as soon as they got the first goal, they decided that they'll sit back and they started taking off all the big players like Haaland. So after they scored the first goal in Norway, Scotland started getting more of the ball. But 
even when that was happening, I I didn't think they'd score Scotland. They didn't create anything. And then out of nowhere, Lyndon Dykes pops up and and scores. And uh, and then two minutes later, um, you know, Norway throw, throw everyone up the pitch. And Scotland going to score again with a, a brilliant finish from Kenny McLean. But it's just that it's belief. I think that a Scotland team that's a big thing for me is the fact that, you know, they could go, they could have went 1-0 down on Saturday um, and that heat away from home and they easily could have crumbled. And we've seen that from Scotland in the past where they went a goal down and they crumbled, but they didn't. They stay in the game, you know. They're set up, they're set up really well. Um, and, you know, it was... It's such a big win, and I think I agree with you, William, that the fact that it's such. I think this Norway game, Scotland have done well the last year, but I think this Norway, it's a Norway away win is really significant, um, in terms of just how they scored them two goals in the dying minutes of the game, um. So, I mean, it was, it was a snatch and grab, but Scotland will take that any, any time of the day. I mean, it was it was a brilliant it was brilliant scenes at the end. Um. So, uh, on Tuesday, the twentieth of May, uh, sorry, twentieth of June. So just a few days after the Norway win, uh, Scotland played Georgia at Hampden Park, and they won two 0 Um, with goals from um, uh, Scott McTominay and uh, Cal McGregor. So, Pierce, just starting with you, what is your thoughts about Scotland's win against Georgia? Yeah, pretty pretty standard, comfortable uh, two 0 win. Um, I thought the two goals themselves were exquisite finishes. One from Calum Rigger, just a deep run at the edge of the box, finding the uh, the corner, and then McTominay again just arriving late. And he's becoming a talismanic figure for Scotland, considering people think he's like a a number six. Suddenly it's a hold midfielder, but as you can see for Scotland, he's pushed higher up. He's like a almost like a, a number eight slash number 10. And he's the second top goal scorer in the whole of the European qualifiers for the Euro 2024. And the only one that's above him is um, Rasmus Hoyland from Denmark. He's even scored the same amount of goals as Cristiano Ronaldo and Harry Kane, who are strikers. Um, but the fact is, it's just the fact is the way Scotland are set up. They're so attacking, but also so solid at the back as well. Um, and obviously, some of the football that was played was was still a, to a high standard, considering the the waterlogged conditions of the pitch that had to break up play for a, a period of time. But the quality the quality on show the Scotland side is just unbelievable, and um, to get four wins before is uh, stuffy stuffy dreams. Um, and the fact is, um, hopefully, um, it can only get better from here. What be what be yourself, Liam? That was the best game of water polo that I've ever seen, um, with the, the weather. But no, nah, I think uh, you know a lot of people probably write Georgia off, but their their records actually not too bad. They're not like, an easy team to play against. Um, I think the the goal, the quick goal, was obviously good. And then I think the stoppage actually disrupted Scotland a wee bit. Um, second half was a lot better, and a couple of goals to get the job done. And you look at the games against Spain and Norway, like I said, it's you need to back it up with wins at home against other other nations that you're expected to beat. And if it's a one off against Norway or a, or a Spain, you know, it doesn't really mean much. But the fact that they've backed it up with other other victories like 
like last night, just shows you that it's a good team coming together. Yep. Um, just before I talk about the match, I've got to talk about the 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 disruption. I mean, when the game kicked off, I mean, I could not believe the game even kicked off, to be honest, because, I mean, the rain before the game started was torrential, and then teams came out on the pitch, and they couldn't they couldn't kick the ball. I mean, there was moments, I think Aaron Hickey made a, a break a breakthrough run, and the ball just went backwards because the, the, the pitch was so waterlogged. So I don't understand how the referee thought that game should have started at that time. Um, I felt the the organisation of it after the game got suspended was was really poor. I mean, one minute uh, it was ten minutes until they'd play again, and then it was twenty minutes. Then it was back to ten minutes. I think it took about an hour and twenty minutes until the game resumed again. And also Georgia were really close to to not playing. I mean, there was a moment where they wouldn't leave the dressing room uh, because they just didn't want to play. I think that was also partly due to the fact that they were 1-0 down at, the, at that point. But um, just talking about the match, I thought Scotland were were really good. Uh, they were much better than Saturday. Um, you know, they got the early goal and then they came back out and they were really comfortable. I didn't think Georgia threatened at all. I felt Georgia were a little bit rattled at the fact that, um, you know, they had to come back out and play. Um, but Scotland, were, I thought they were much controlled. They could have scored more than two goals. Uh, I thought Billy Gilmore was brilliant last night as well. I thought he, he was really good when he came into the team. You know, passing was really good. You know, he really did well in that midfield. And um, so, no, a really good performance in Scotland. And you know, they backed it up uh, after their, their big win Saturday. So, um, on you go. Sorry, I was going to say I don't think the game should have went ahead because it was quite hard to watch. Where I was watching it anyway, I was, I was struggling to actually enjoy watching it at first. But when you've waited like an hour, an hour and 20 minutes, and there's been a few checks, you just need to get going. And I think Georgia players refusing to come out the dressing room should have actually resulted in a forfeit, to be fair. I think there's a rule in there that says that. So a di- bit disappointing for their perspective, but it's not really surprising when, like you say, they were 1 0 down, and that's when the, the complaints started coming in. So yeah, I mean, uh, fair play to the groundsman, by the way, because, you know, that game wouldn't have, have started again if, they, if it wasn't for them, you know, trying to get the water out of the pitch and uh, also the fans as well. I mean, paying that money and not seeing a game for for an hour and 20 minutes um, and they were right behind the team right up till the end. So, I mean, fair play to them as well. Um, <clears throat> so, uh, Scotland, they now have 12 points from the first four games, so... Maximum points. They've not dropped any points so far. So, Pierce, what do you think the chances are of reaching the Euros in 2024? Got to be pretty high, isn't it? Um, thought we'd get up eight points clear. Although it's early stages, and you would you always try to take it one game at a time. And that's the way Steve Clark's kind of got this kind of um, kind of methodology into the players like that mindset that he just wants to keep everyone grounded. Don't get too carried away. The fans can get carried away. We can dream. But as the players, they need to stay like elite mental, uh, elite elite mentality, where you just have to kind of take it one game at a time. And like you say, we've had uh, what was it, three home games, so we've also got a tough away game in Georgia, and then you've also got three away games in uh, no, you got a whole no, tough tough home games uh, against Norway and then Georgia away, Spain away, and also Cyprus away as well. So. You've got to take into account as well that we've won our home games, 
and let's build on that important away win in the Oslo and hopefully we can get something away in um, Spain but they were gunning for revenge as well and so with Georgia as well so but it's a long way to go but you couldn't ask for a per, 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 better start um, to be honest it's the best start Scotland have had in, in the history of any qualification campaign because usually we get off to a very slow start and then we usually pick up towards the end um, but four wins from four games Nine goals scored, averaging more than two goals a game, um, and only conceded one goal, which was an Erling Haaland penalty. So you can't really complain that that's not considered a goal from open play. Um, so I think you can be more than happy. And um, the way that Steve Clark's got the fans right behind the the crowd, uh, behind the players, it, he just he just re, uh, rejuvenated the whole nation. And the fact is, like you say, the players as well. They're just there's so many leaders on that park. The way, the way that um. Scotland have just um got behind the, the whole club as a nation and uh, the whole country, sorry. And the fact is, um, the togetherness within the, the starting squad and the subs, everyone knows their role. There's the system just cut and dry. Um, the fact is that Steve Clark has just got a belief in the squad that we can just go and challenge anyone. Whereas before, as a, as a nation, you kind of dreaded international duty and the fact is, um, the the championship finished over forty days ago, and players like Kenny McLean, Ryan Porteous hadn't had not had competitive action, in in that time frame. So they went away. They could have easily oh, say I've got an injury and then just not turned up to an actual duty. But the fact is, players are willing to go train by themselves, keep their fitness levels high, keep their sharpness, and then join up with camp because they know how good the camp is, and how much it means playing for your country. And that's what uh, Steve Clark's brought back to the, the nation of Scotland. And uh, I think he's done a marvellous job. And I think I do think Scotland have got a fabulous chance of qualifying for the second consecutive Euros. What about, what about yourself, Liam? I think um, it's going to be really hard for them not to qualify. All they can do is, is win the games put in front of them to give themselves a chance, and they have done that. But again, goes back to backing it up. So there's a few tough away games and obviously done well away in Norway. So they need to back that up with more away wins. Otherwise, that Norway result won't be meaningless, but you know, it won't be as good as, as it could be. But I think, like Pierre said, the, the players know there's something special there um, with this team. And I think that's part of the success that they've had is just the fact that they can sense that and they're, they're willing to play and, and put their put their bodies in the line and, and try the hardest. So, yeah, it'll be hard not to qualify, but I just think that, you know, there's a couple of teams in there that have still got a couple of games in hand, three tough away games. So, you know, I'm sure Pierce mentioned it as well. Steve Clark will be, be grounding his players and making sure they don't think too far ahead. Yep. Um, I think they're, they're really close now. Um, I'm tempted to start looking at hotels in Germany, but, you know, not yet. Um you know, Scotland have got three away games yet. Uh, let, um, um, next, sorry. Uh, so starting off with Cyprus away, I think if they were to get three points in Cyprus, that'll take them up to fifteen. I think they're basically just there, and I think if I had got another point out of that, I think they'd confirm it. So probably just one more win and a draw would would do it for Scotland. Um, you know, they're they're a brilliant position. Um. You know, you know the. I think a lot of the pressure on them will be off a bit now, 
because they know the position that they're in. Um, but you know, we'll see next three away games. We'll see how they how they do there because three away games is is tough, especially in Europe. So um, no, we'll definitely see. We'll definitely see what happens. But I'm starting to get a little bit excited now. Um, so finally, I just want to ask about uh, Steve Clark. Um, so what are your thoughts about Steve Clark um, and the job he's done at Scotland, Pierce? Like he's just a messiah. I just think the fact is the results he's getting, the fact is he's qualified for the major tournament in Euro 2020, which we hadn't qualified for a major tournament since World Cup 98. Um, and the fact is the brand of football what he's made is resolute at the back, but also at the same in this in the same breath, there's so many attacking options. Although we only play one striker, but so many attacking threats. The sides get goals all over the midfield, chips in with goals left, right, and centre. You've got the wing backs pu- pushing on, and then the the, the three centre backs, some of them d- d- drop into midfield to offer that solidity and and also bomb on and overlaps as well. So. The fact is, I think he's done an absolute fantastic job. Um, and Scotland have done a great job in getting him a brand new deal because I do think with with Steve Clark at the helm of Scotland, the future's bright. And hopefully, no try to get too far ahead of myself, but I think the next aim is to qualify for a World Cup. That would be the dream um, for Scotland to be back at a World Cup. But um, if we can get to the Euros, let's build on that and then... Hopefully we can get out of the group um and just see what see what he takes us because everything that's around Scotland at the moment is just extremely positive. What about yourself, Lane? He's a, a really good manager, evidently. We we could see that when he was at Kilmarnock and his style may not be the best to watch in the <laughs> you know, fluid attack and play or whatever, but he does the best he can with the players that he's got and he's He's so vigorous with his his, uh, his tactics. You know, every player works so hard. They know where they fit in and what their jobs are. Um, I think as well it's fair to say that he's he's came along at the right time because I don't remember a Scotland squad being this good. So it's not to take away from what he's done. I just think that this is the best group of players that I've, I've saw at Scotland um, since I can remember watching football. So that comes into the factor as well. But... Like Pierre said again, I think defensively we just look solid and there's so many good options there. Like we're playing two world class left backs in the same team, try to fit them in because there's so many options. So um like I say, I think he's he's a really good manager. You could see that years ago and uh, he's 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 trusted to take us where we need to go. Sorry, yep. I just think something fell for this guy there. I think it's that penalty for last night, that ball. <laughs> Um, no, I, I mean, I think he could, he could go on to be the best manager of all time. Uh, not right now, but like in the years to come. Um, I've got to say about Steve Clark as well in Scotland is that at the start, it, it wasn't going well. Um, at the start, it, it was really difficult for him. You know, we weren't picking up results. Um, I remember, I think a big turnaround was um, when Scotland got defeated by Russia 4-0 in Russia, uh, I think. That game, I think a lot, a lot of people, uh, there was a lot of people, um, kind of calling for Steve Clark to lose his job. People didn't think he was, he was up to the standard, um, but I think after, you know, 
we we got to Euros after beating Serbia on penalties. You know, this the squad has come together so much. You know, he pick, he always picks the same squad, basically the same squad every camp that comes up. Um, people might moan about that, but he always picks the same people basically, and there's never really any a lot of new names. Um, and the big thing I think about him is the fact that this is like his personality. You know, he never gets too high or too low. He's he's always really good at dealing with the media. Um, and like I think the players just really like the fact that you know he doesn't you know get over emotional about anything. You know, I think I've heard players say that when like he discusses the games that are coming up, he always keeps it plain and simple so when the players go out the pitch they know exactly what to do and you can see that because like when especially when Scotland are defending that they're, they're so organized you know they never they're never you know all over the place or they're also they're so well drilled um so I think I think he's a perfect manager for Scotland um you know I think he's he's a perfect manager for Scotland in terms of the way he, the way he comes across and um yeah I mean I think there's only more good times to come. Um, for Scotland under Steve Clark. So, um, we'll now move on to discussing Brendan Rodgers being appointed the Celtic manager. So, on Monday the 19th of June, Celtic announced that they had appointed Brendan Rodgers on a three-year contract. So, Rodgers left Celtic in 2019 and therefore this will be second time in charge. So, upon coming back, Rodgers uh, said that he was really delighted to return to Celtic and he was usually excited by this great opportunity. And when he was given the privilege of being asked to join the club again, it was it was a very simple decision for him and his and his family. So, Pierre, starting off with you, what is your thoughts about Rogers um, being reappointed Celtic manager? Yeah, um, I think it's a, a good <laughs> um, from from the options that were available. I think he was a standout candidate, um, and the fact is. A lot of people would suggest that maybe it's a backward step for him, but I think it's a forward step for him because the fact is he was he's leaving a club that were pushing relegation that are now being relegated. Um and now he's got a chance of getting into a really successful side that's just on the back of a treble and with Champions League group stage football. And obviously there's that there's that thing as well where he is obviously a Celtic man, um, and he'll want to appease the fans that that obviously didn't like the way he left because he left midway through a season, which never usually happens. So the fact is, she's got a chance to get back on this the fans' side, and also um, get a chance to prove that he can have a stamp in Europe. Uh, with a Scottish side and I do think he's got the tools to do that and the fact is Ange Postcoggle left Celtic playing a kind of similar brand of football it's slightly different uh, Brendan Rodgers more kind of patient build up play but um, going back to his, his first his first spell in um, charge of Celtic um, it was an exciting and highly successful um, Celtic side so It'll be interesting to see if you can replicate that form, but um, in terms of Celtic's um, point of view, it's a fantastic appointment, and obviously they did their due diligence um, and got the right man for the job, and it's um, time will tell when um, pre-season rolls around and everyone comes back for holidays and 
see what the squad's looking like and then obviously you can have a judge you what players he wants to bring in and which players we're going because um Rangers have already got underway this season already in terms of personally I've been brought in. So it'll be an interesting season. Um but it's a positive for Scottish football and I, I do think it's a a very good appointment for Celtic. What about what about yourself, Liam? As, as soon as the name cropped up, I, I feel like I'm repeating myself, but I kept saying he's the man for the job. And I think there's people saying, like Pierre said there, he was the best manager from the list of candidates. But even forgetting the list, I think he's one of the best managers in the world. And I know people might smirk at that because Leicester have been relegated. But I think there's more to that than meets the eye. And there's more to it than just Rogers because their owners were in financial difficulty. But let's not get into that. Um, I just think that people saying it's a step backwards or whatever, he's not just left Celtic and, and sat in his house for four years. He's, he's won an FA Cup with Leicester, the first in their history. Took them to two fifth-place finishes. Took them to a, a European uh, quarter-final, semi-final. I'm not entirely sure, but he's he's done well with them, so it's definitely not a step backwards. Um, you know, His tactics may have been tweaked since he was last at Celtic as well. May have different things that he can try out. He's came to Celtic on a three-year deal with a European vision, thirty million pound to spend. So it's completely different to to last team, and I think I think he'll do well. But that's just obviously, I guess. Yep. Um. I think it's you know it's a really good appointment. Um. You know I think when Postecoglou left, I think a lot of Celtic fans were worried that. We weren't going to get the same level of quality in terms of manager, but I think Brendan Rodgers is, is right up there. Could even be better than Postacoglu in terms of what people think. Um, so a really good appointment. I think from Celtic we kind of made a statement with that. Uh, I also think it's brave from Rodgers as well. You know, easily could have turned around and and said no because you know the way he left last time, you know, it uh, was really controversial. Uh, you know, it's only been four years as well, so maybe he might have thought that it's too soon. Um, but you know, he he's obviously said that he's obviously he's got he's obviously came back now. So I think it's really brave from Rogers. Um, you know, I think it shows he's he's one for the club as well. Um, you know, so uh, not a really a really good appointment. I think uh, a big appointment because obviously Rogers a big he's a big name in European football because Liam said he is. I think he is one of the best managers in Europe. Um, so really, uh, really, really good and big for Scottish football as well. So, uh, how do you think the fans will feel about this appointment, Pierce? I think the fans will be on board um, right away in terms of once, regardless of what feelings you may have towards him and the way he left, the fact is he's now been reappointed and trusted by the, the higher officials at your football club. So regardless of what you may think of him as a, a person of what he'd done in his previous spell, the fact is if he's your football manager, regardless of what he's done or what happened in the past, you should always get behind your manager 100% and give him the benefit of the doubt. And the fact is, the easy, simple answer is, if he starts winning football matches from the get-go and playing exciting football, which Celtic fans um, all want to see and seen <laughs> in recent times, then it's a I think it's pretty easy that you'll get most of the Celtic fan base, if not all, 
back on side pretty quickly. Um, what about yourself, Liam? I think it's a small minority of Celtic fans that are probably holding a grudge, which is within their right, but how long can they keep that? Because, like Pierce says, as soon as he starts winning games and trophies, they're not going to be able to keep the grudge against him, I don't think, anyway. And, listen, he's not coming back to, to win domestic trophies. Of course, that's the aim as well, but you know, he's done all that before. He's coming back to, to have a go at Europe. He's getting a big budget to do so. So I think now the most important things, if Celtic fans want success for the club, is just to back the guy who's in charge. Because it's as simple as that. He's the guy that's going to be trying to get them results and silverware. So he needs to be backed. And I think he will be. Yeah. Um, I think fans can at the moment, there might be some that are not happy um, because of obviously what happened back in 2019. But I think it's fairly simple. I think if Rogers comes in and from the get-go he starts he starts really well, you know, wins trophies and stuff, I think fans will just forget really quickly. Um I think a lot of trust maybe uh, a lot of fans might have went down a bit with Rogers um because you know if he does do a good job, you know, there might be links to clubs in Europe that might want to take him and maybe fans might get a bit worried that you know he might do what he did back then. But I mean, at the moment, I think, you know, fans will turn pretty, you know, in support of him pretty quickly, even if right now they they're might may, may not be sure. Um, so I think the majority of fans will be all right with it. Um, so, uh, Pierce, just want to ask you, what, what do you think will be Rogers' first impressions since rejoining the club? Well, the first impression you have will be in um, when it goes to pre-season for Japan and South Korea, um, and you'll get a full look at the squad um, that he has at his disposal. And also, like you say, when also you get a new manager in, everyone has a fresh start, regardless if you played a lot of minutes last season or not. Um, and obviously, it depends on if offers come in for Celtic's key men. And obviously, it depends on what system, like Liam touched on earlier, it might have changed from what he had previously. Um, but he'll have a vision and an idea, and they've agreed to that with the, the Celtic hierarchy. So it'll be just be interesting the, um, the way he wants to set up in pre-season. And obviously, he did take in a few Celtic games towards the, end of the back end of last season, the cup final, cup semi-final, whatnot. Um, so he'll, he'll kind of have a vague idea of what he wants and what he has, has in his mind. It'll just be how he sees which players fit into his system and and how they how well they fit into his system in preseason. But I think July is the month that we'll kinda of see kind of changes, in goings and outgoings and how how you'll kinda of see him set up. Be yourself, Liam. he's already said he's already said, sorry, the club's in a good position. Uh, financially in terms of accolades. But when he left Celtic bar Two trophies, three trophies, continued, you know, winning silverware. He left, he's coming back, which seems, it seems like it would never have been the case that if he returned, the club would be probably more successful than when he left it. But that's the case. Um, so, you know, there's a lot of people that are saying, you know, he's had the privilege to come back to this club and, you know, what if he leaves again? But you've got to flip it and say, well, the club are, privilege to probably have him back as well because the success he brought to, to the fans and the club first time probably won't ever happen again 
Um, so, yeah, I think first impressions will be the, the financial state of the club is better. Um, I remember during a press conference and Celtic had signed Shved and I had no idea who this player was that Celtic were signing. So I think it just shows you how you know how much control he probably had at the time. Not much because the board were making signings. You know, the, the club wouldn't pay a few million for John McGinn. So it seems different now and like say time will tell, but I just think the hierarchy won't have as much control as a manager in terms of transfers. And that could, you know, prove vital this time. Uh, so I think Rogers will be um I think he'll be impressed when he when it comes coming from coming back. I think twenty nineteen he left in a pretty poor situation. I think Celtic weren't great. Um you know, in terms of the squad, the squad wasn't in a good place. Um, you know, Celtic were signing players that, as Liamer sta- sta- stated, that weren't really Rogers' signings. You know, he was just getting kind of getting players thrown at him and having to having to try and work with them. But this time, you know, Rogers comes in. You know, just won a treble. The squad's in a brilliant, brilliant position. You know, there's a lot of good assets in the squad. Uh, financially, we're in a we're in a much better position, obviously, with Champions League football last season, which will bring a lot of money in. Um, and I just think in terms of like the the, the higher up in terms of the board situation, you know, we've got a new Michael Nicholson. He's a new chief executive. He's done a brilliant job since he's kind of come into that role when he replaced Peter Lowell. So a lot's changed since he's left. Um, and I think I, I think he's coming into a much much better position, and with the money. Uh, that's that's on you know that's on show for him to spend in summer. Uh, I think this time he'll have much more, you know, freedom to pick the players he wants. Instead of last time, there had to be a lot of uh, agreement with a lot of people for him to get the players he wants. So um, you know, he's now much. His first impressions will be. I think he'll be really excited. Um, and yeah, um, you know, it'll be much different for him. So, for the final part of the show, Pierce will now give his Asian football roundup. Yeah, so um, on Thursday, the 15th of June, um, Japan played El Salvador and um, they thumped them 6 0. Um, done a match report on that as well. Um, Celtic, um, Rio Tati, and Kulu Furuhashi both in the squad again. Um, Tati started, Kulu got off the bench and scored in that game. Then on Friday the 16th of June, South Korea played Peru and uh, lost 1-0. And on Tuesday, both teams played, um, Japan played Peru and won 4-1. And Peru is like, one of the upcoming South American teams. I think they're rated the best in South America. So to comfortably beat them 4-1, and it could have been a lot more. Um, even though Peru in the game had a lot more possession, uh, Japan were... Very clinical. Uh, Kyogo started that game, so did Rio Hitate as well. Um, Kyogo had a poor game, and then uh, Celtic's Dyson Maida as well came on, and uh, he's won literally his first touch he scored. So it's good for that point of view for the Scottish League. Um, and in terms of South Korea against El Salvador, it was a 1 1 draw. Um, South Korea dominated without creating too much. Um, El Salvador um, nicked a Famous result for themselves. Um, but Jurgen Klinsmann 
will be under serious pressure and scrutiny because it's now four games in charge of South Korea, two draws and two defeats. So, not a very good start to the, his um, campaign as uh, the South Korean manager. Also, we've got some Asian football news as well in terms of um, on Thursday, the 15th of June, uh, Gangwon FC have appointed Yoon Jung Hwan as the new manager of the team. Uh, also on Wednesday, the 14th of June, uh, Dan Protescu, uh, the remaining manager, has been appointed as the new manager of Jumbuk Hyundai Motors, who are in the caretaker charge as they're now kind of back up towards the top end of the table. And uh, Brentford FC have reached full agreement with um, Songnam FC to sign 2004-born South Korean centre-back Kim Ji-soo. Personal terms have been agreed. The deal will be finalised at the end of the week. Um, Kim Ji-soo is highly rated, as he's recently named in the best 11 by FIFA for the Under-20 World Cup. Yeah, so under, full understanding that uh, Bayern Munich are getting closer to reach a full agreement um, on personal terms with Kim and Jay. Uh, positive talks and a contract have also been agreed until um, 2028. Bayern have confirmed to Kim's camp that they are willing to meet the release clause that's um, active in July. And uh, finally, Kim Sung-jun and Kim Young-jun have both been sentenced to one year in prison and two years probation for trying to avoid mandatory military service with a false medical certificates. Um, Kim Seung-jun plays for Suwon FC and Kim Yong-jun plays for Gyeongnam FC. And that's all your latest Asian football news. Thank you, Pierce. And thank you, Liam, as well, for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. No problem. Uh, and thank you everyone for listening to this episode of the Football Chuggy podcast. This podcast will be available to listen to on the Football Chuggy YouTube channel and also the Football Chuggy website. Thanks for listening and see you soon. Bye bye.